Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kingdom of God podcast. I'm your host, King Sean, House of Anden, Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. Uh, it's Saturday in my microcosm, and so it's the weekend. I'm going to be doing something a little bit different from the Monday to Friday show, and that's kind of the intent. I want to get away a little bit from uh, some of the legal stuff, not, not necessarily all of it, but... I, because this is going to be largely centered around some of the things that I've been doing recently, and I'm going to be talking about why I'm so excited to be doing this podcast, uh, because some of the techniques that I've been using appear, at least at this point in time, to have been very, very successful thus far, and so that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight to get everybody caught up with... Uh, the excitement in my microcosm right now because there's uh there's lots of things going on there uh so what i'm going to be doing is talking about uh the due process of law in a common law jurisdiction and again i will uh i'll do another show some other time that will disclaim the common law and what i mean i might talk about that a little bit today but i will dedicate a, a full show to that at some point but today i'm just going to be going over the uh, organizations, individuals that I had placed on notice for either criminal or civil liability, um, and what that's all about, and uh, yeah, what kind of things to look forward to in the future uh, as far as things that are happening right now. Um, on the regular Monday to Thursday show, I'm going to be going back in time to the very first steps that I took that brought me to where I am now uh, and enabled me to do the things that I'm doing now to, to place people on notice and for those notices to stand. So I think it's going to be a good show for you tonight. Uh, and I'm very thankful to have all of you here. Uh, we are very much all kings and queens in God's kingdom, and that is the holy trinity of mind, body, and spirit that was given us by God uh and it is the most secure place for us to find refuge and have the defense for our rights so uh thank you very much for joining me tonight i'll be right back after a short break thanks all right everyone so welcome back uh today i'm going to be drawing some attention to my International Public Notices page, which is a dedicated static page that I keep on my blog. Um, it's very easy to find. It's If, if you go to my homepage, uh, there's a number of different pages that are listed at the top, and there's it's very easy to find the International Public Notices tab. You just click on that, it takes you to all of the international public notices that I have placed. And I'm going to be talking about the significance of that. In fact, I'll do that a little bit right now, because one of the things, in addition to placing somebody on notice, is that you ideally would like to have the notice published somewhere on a public record. And... I will talk about the importance of creating your own publication. I think that's 
paramount, really. Uh, I think it's almost as important as the SESTA KV because that gives an individual a place to hold office. Uh, and that's really what the new SESTA KV creates. It's a new legal personality, uh, which actually, as I discussed before, we all know that a piece of paper isn't living. It never can be. And so what the paper actually represents, both in the commercial fiction and with the SESTA KV that we're creating here, is a position of office. That's what it represents. So the SESTA KV is basically letting the government know that you are changing your position of office. You are no longer holding the position of office for the Canadian government as a service representative uh, or consumer, whatever they want to perceive that to be, or citizen. That's the way most of us know it and understand it. So instead of holding that position of office, you are uh, basically saying that you don't need, you don't need uh, the state to act as mommy and daddy for you anymore. You don't need them to tell you how to behave because you already know how to behave. Uh, that was the moral code that was given you by God. God, you know, got a moral system that teaches you how to get along with other people in your microcosm. So now you are uh, acting in your sovereign capacity. And that's a new position of office. That's also why I say king and queen, uh, because in that position of office, you are absolutely the highest authority over your mind, body, and soul. Nobody on this earth has any legitimate authority over you. Uh, there's a lot of presumptions that people have authority over you, uh, police, government agencies, and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm hoping to show on this call over time is that it really is just an illusion. And when you uh, let these individuals know that they don't have authority over you or you challenge that the proper way, in an honorable way, by by sending letters and, and discussing these things through communication, uh, you'll find that uh, none of them actually claim to have ownership of, of you. It's only through your agreement. Uh, you must volunteer your energy and life to the state. And if you don't do that, there is absolutely no way that you can be legally compelled to do so. Um, so on the International Public Notices page, uh, I'm, I'm just going to read what I've written here. Uh, here I will list all common law public notices issued by the House of Omden. Click on the notice to link to the date and time the post was officially published on the International Court of Record. Notices without a link are forthcoming but have not yet been posted. So. Uh, the reason I put that last line there is uh, so that, yeah, basically just if I'm about to place someone on notice or um, considering placing someone on notice, I can actually put that up here and uh, have a link sort of ready to go so that when I do send, you know, usually the emails or usually the notices are going to be sent uh, by way of email. Uh, that's one of the gifts that came with the whole COVID pandemic thing is that in Canada now, uh, email never used to be considered uh, legal and lawful service delivery. It is now. 
uh, and that's because of the social distancing protocols and all that kind of stuff. They wanted to make it easier to serve documents to people without having to uh, do it in person, right? So they allowed email to be accepted as legal proof of service. That is a huge bonus because it saves a couple of bucks on sending things registered mail and the other legal service that is rather convenient is fax but if you don't have a fax you know you're gonna have to go and use you're gonna have to find a fax machine and, and do that i don't, personally don't have a fax machine i think there are some online programs you can use that uh, allow you to do that but i don't use any of those it's just easier for me to do email so that way if i'm thinking about placing somebody on notice i can place a notice here uh, and have it not linked to anything yet uh, and then once i actually file the notice with the email then i publish that onto a separate page with the date and time of the emails showing how it was sent and that notice will then link to the, the official notice that's given to the organization or individual so I'm going to read over some of the ones that I have going on right now because this is all relevant it started with one and uh, has since now I've got one two three four five six 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 official and in fact I actually have two examples of ones that uh, have not actually been formal notices. I've got the letters to the Honorable Francois-Philippe Champagne um, regarding fraud, bondage, and the economic treason perpetuated by private banks against Canada's people. So there was a letter sent to Francois-Philippe Champagne regarding those concerns. Uh, he has a uh, duty as the Registrar General acting in that capacity and as an MP, as a member of Parliament, to respond to concerns from the people. And that's one of the duties of his position of office. So if he does not uh, follow through, then he's in breach of trust because he's, he's violating the trust of the people by not responding to questions regarding the sovereignty of Canada's people. And so those are posted here. And then I also had a last letter to Honorable Francois-Philippe Champagne, uh, again, regarding fraud and trespass. And those are the two letters that I haven't received a response to yet. And so that's something that, you know, when I keep saying that I haven't received any mail over the last week and that that was kind of good news, it isn't, it isn't. I mean, it's, it's good news in the sense that uh, they're not providing any kind of legal or lawful excuse for their actions, but they're also not responding. So they're now uh, in default. That's basically how it's referred to. They're in default for not responding or he is in default for not responding. And I'm still basically toying with the idea. Um, I'm not 100% sure yet that I'm going to place him on notice of criminal liability for breach of trust, but it is a very strong consideration and there's very good likelihood that I will do that in the future. Uh, some of the notices that I have officially filed are a notice of civil and criminal liability was recently issued to shoppers drug mart corporation that's probably the biggest one that i have going on right now because i'm asking for a million dollars in compensation and i don't feel 
even a little bit bad <laughs> about that. I don't think I'm being uh, extreme because technically speaking, if, if COVID is allegedly as deadly as the government would like us to believe it is, I don't believe it's, it's all the, you know, all the deadliness or, or I don't believe it's half as lethal as what they want us to believe. In fact, I believe it's no more harmful than the seasonal flu, but I could be wrong. Okay. That's just my opinion. I'm not telling you that that's a fact. Uh, that's just my belief, you know, could prove to be that I'm very, very wrong. Maybe it is extremely deadly. And if I were to believe everything that the government is telling me, then the employees of Shoppers Drug Mart placed me in a very, very, very dangerous situation because I am not going to compromise my health by wearing a mask. Uh, it immediately gives me a very, very strong sense of anxiety just by covering my mouth and nose. And I can immediately feel the oxygen deprivation. I really can. And I don't know how other people don't and how they can walk around with a mask on all day. That just boggles my mind, but um, I can't and uh, I won't. And it is my right to determine what is correct for me. And I would never try to impose upon anybody else that they're not allowed to wear a mask or that they shouldn't wear a mask. That's my personal opinion. But, you know, if somebody feels more comfortable wearing a mask, I'm certainly not gonna tell them that they have to take it off or that they should take it off. That's entirely up to them. Uh, just the same, nobody has the right to impose upon me their belief that I should be wearing one, especially considering I literally live alone. I am almost 100% of the time isolated with the exception of when I have to go out and get myself essential items. So uh, I was threatened by the store manager with uh, physical violence if I refused to put on a mask, they actually brought one over to me and told me to put it on. And that was after I already purchased my product. So I had basically 10 more feet to walk before I would have been out of the store without issue with anybody. All other staff in the store were reasonably courteous with me and did not give me a hard time, maintained their social distance. It was the manager and I'm guessing maybe an assistant manager. I don't know who the lady was that actually tapped me on the shoulder and, and told me that I had to put this mask on, but I'm literally holding the product and the receipt in my hand that, at that, at this point. And I just kind of looked at her, are, are you insane? You know, I didn't say that, <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. I was just like, really, you want me to put on a mask to walk the last 10 feet where there's nobody, but it was just a 10 foot corridor with nobody in it. And then the glass doors to leave the building. And they wanted me to put on a mask for that. And anyway, I just told them that no, uh, and, you know, manager told me to get out of the store. Well, if he hadn't, you know, harassed me, I would already be leaving the store. And uh, when I expressed to him that he does not have the right to tell me to leave the store and discriminate against me for not being able to wear a mask, he told me that he was a private business and he can ask anybody to leave anytime he wants. I told him that he's incorrect on that matter, because if he was a private business, he would not be mandated by the government of Canada to open as an essential service to the public. And that's true also. So I told him that I would be back anytime I need to get essential items and that I would not be intimidated by his threats. 
I started to leave, and as I was leaving, he called me on, <laughs> which is just the weirdest thing, because I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody do that. Well, maybe maybe once or twice when I was uh, at the shelters, you know, somebody maybe. But that's what I mean. It's like basically high school, uh, you know, alpha male uh, childish behavior, like, you know, and... Yeah, so I, I'm walking down this corridor, and he yells after me, uh, you want a piece of me? And, you know, I couldn't believe my ears when, when he said that. So I turned around, and I went back and very calmly asked him to repeat himself, just to make sure that I heard him correctly. And he yelled even louder, this time beckoning kind of with his hands, you want a piece of me? So I asked him what he meant by that, and when I asked him what I meant by that, he said, uh, what did he say then? Uh, oh, I can't remember. And I don't want to, I don't want to misquote myself. Uh, oh, come and get some and find out, I think is what he said. Something to that effect. And I just laughed and said, okay. I said, you know what? That's, uh, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. But uh, I am certainly going to file a complaint. Uh, I didn't come into this store to be threatened with physical violence. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And... That was that. So then I filed a complaint with Shoppers Drug Mart by contacting their corporate office uh, complaint department. And uh, that went back and forth for a little bit. After two weeks, they still had not responded to me with anything appropriate, with any guarantee for my safety in their store in the future. And then I I just got tired of waiting. I'm not, I'm not going to be intimidated and threatened or fearful of going into their store. So I placed them on notice of criminal and civil liability, and I advised them that if this happens in future, if I go back to the store and I'm harassed by the store manager or any of the staff for not having a mask, it's going to cost them $10,000. If I am asked to leave the store before I'm able to purchase my essential items, it's going to cost them $100,000. And if I am threatened with physical violence or or assaulted in any way, it's going to be $1 million. And so I placed them on, on notice for that, told them that I was also asking for $1 million uh, in compensation for the threats and intimidation on my previous visit and for discriminating against me for having my medical condition. And uh, yeah, we're waiting to see how they respond to that. The criminal penalty for a corporation that uh, violates the Emergency Orders Act, maximum penalty for a corporation is $100 million. And that's not a joke. It's it's right there in the complaint. So, or it's right there in the notice. Uh, and somewhere down the road, I will go over each of these notices in detail. I'm just going to kind of touch on what is out there right now. So that's the most recent. Uh, and they have until the 22nd of June to respond to that. Very interesting as well, because with no real intention in any way, shape or form, it just so happens that, uh, yeah, um, the last two notices have expired. Their time to respond expires on the 22nd of a month and the reason i find that 
kind of interesting is because, uh, well, it was the magical number of the last girl that I dated who believed that 22 was just like a super magical number and it's just kind of been repeating itself in my universe by coincidence. And if you read my blog, you'll know that I don't believe in coincidences. Everything is uh, just the illusion of coincidence. And, you know, the more coincidences we begin to notice, the more I would say you're actually in harmony with the universe and God's plan for you. So I found that kind of interesting, but they have until the 22nd of June to respond. And if they don't, then uh, default judgment will be filed against them. And this is something that yet remains to be proven. But what I'm going to assert here is that by using this process and publishing it into the paper, it is legal and lawful. Um, and the default judgment that I file against them will be legally binding. All I will have to do is take that default judgment to a court registrar, have it entered onto the court of record as a statement of facts regarding the incident, and ask an attorney to prosecute. And I don't believe they have any opportunity or, or I don't think they, they are allowed to refuse, especially if I'm presenting them with facts. So that is something that remains to be seen because I haven't actually taken the default judgments and filed them with the courts yet to have them enforced. Uh, right now, they just kind of sit there on the public record as damning evidence against these criminals. And so far, you know, uh, well, I'll get into some of the other ones that I've done. I just want to check my time before I, okay, we're at 19 minutes. So, um, I'm going to read through the rest of the notices. So notice of civil and criminal liability issued to Shoppers Drug Mart. That's kind of the biggest one and the most recent that's going on. Uh, there's a notice of supreme claim of right, Sean Stephen Von Den. So that was just kind of a follow-up to everything else that I've done. I mean, I haven't put it on the public record yet, but after Housing Services sent me a package addressed to Von Den in all capital letters, comma, Sean, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to let the government know that, uh, you know, this name, Sean Stephen Von Den, belongs to me. And if somebody is using that without my consent or permission or uh, basically tarnishing that name, that's what I believe it is. Uh, you're using the Lord's name in vain if you take that name and try to capitalize it and reduce the legal status of that character. So... I put a supreme claim of right upon the name Sean Stephen Von Den so that uh, anybody who uses that, uses my calling as a corporate entity, uh, can be held liable. Yeah. Third one, uh, notice of supreme claim of right, uh, estate matters of Joachim Heinrich Von Den. That's my father, and it was important for me to put on the public record that I hold the supreme claim of right upon my father's estate. My father died intestate. I am the eldest son and the next of kin, the rightful heir to my father's kingdom. And that needed to be placed on the public record as well, because of course, as most of you will know, the state generally presumes to uh, have first right to 
determine who can administrate or who can act as power of attorney or whatever. I'm telling them that they don't. I have the supreme claim of right upon that estate, and I get to decide who's going to be administrating my father's estate. It's not up to the state. I, I hold the supreme claim of right. That's on the public record. So that's what that one's about. And again, I'll go over all of these in detail another day. I'll do one per show, maybe. Um, and that'll be once once I go through all of the background stuff. So, Or as it comes up as relevant in my current microcosm. So if there's action with response, like, you know, if the lawyers get back to me about Shopper's Drug Mart, I will talk about that as it happens. And the same goes with any of these. Um, and then there's a notice of acceptance for honor, all interested parties in estate matters regarding Joachim Heinrich von Den. Uh, that notice of acceptance for honor is to let any interested party who has um, an interest in my father's estate for money that may be owed to them, whether it be a cable company, phone company, mortgage company, anything, that I am accepting all of my father's debts for honor in his name. And that's a very, very important thing to do because if any of the creditors refuse to accept my my offer, they lose their right of recourse. Okay, You're not allowed to refuse to accept someone's offer to pay a debt and then try to collect again from somebody else. Okay, If somebody's offering to pay something, you have to accept that offer. So that's why that's out there. And then notice of criminal liability issued to Noah S. Potechin, Maravitz Potechin, LLP, and the National Bank of Canada. So that was very important uh, because basically what uh, Noah S. Potechin and Maravitz Potechin LLP, National Bank of Canada, tried to do was uh, they, they said that they were accepting my offer of my father's debts. Well, they didn't even explicitly say that. Uh, they agreed to disclose to me the amount that was outstanding on my father's mortgage. And then they made a demand for payment in full within 30 days after I made the acceptance for honor of my father's debts. Uh, again, I'll get into that in a little bit more detail because that's a little bit more complicated to comprehend. But long story short, uh, I do have the right and the freedom to dispose of my natural wealth without prejudice to foreign obligations in the interest of mutual benefit and international cooperation. I am the unlimited, you know, my, my life has unlimited commercial value. So as the king in my kingdom, I am the one who gets to discharge that wealth. And that's what I'm doing when I'm, you know, placing my thumbprint on something. I'm discharging $54,000 worth of debt, giving that to the bank. They're supposed to close out the file, discharge the mortgage, and it should have been happy. You know, everybody should be happy ever after. They disputed that it was not legal and lawful payment. I challenged them on that. I said, well, you know, I'm asserting that it is, and that if you try to move forward with power of sale, they were threatening to move forward on power of sale for not producing payment, even though I just had, uh, they were refusing to acknowledge that as legal and lawful payment. So they threatened to move forward with power of sale, uh, I think three days after that. And so I had to think fast. And basically I said, okay, well, you know what, if that's what you're going to do, I'm going to place you on notice of criminal liability for extortion 
uh, theft and fraud. And that's what I did. <laughs> that's basically what that's all about in a nutshell. And the reason that this is a little bit exciting is because uh, it has thus far, that was over a year ago now, uh, there has been absolutely no action on the property since. And I have not heard any word from the law firm or the Bank of Canada since either. So I believe they know that they're guilty. I believe that they know they have no legal defense. And right now I think they're foolishly presuming that I just won't ever be able to enforce the default judgment that's against them. They're going to find out that they're very wrong about that. But again, this is why it's exciting because I'm going to show you how I'm going to be enforcing that order um, and having it, uh, yeah, enforced by a sheriff. So that's coming up in the near future. Uh, and then finally, I think finally, yeah, this is the last one. Uh, notice of criminal liability was issued to uh, Orsolia Van Stody, Christine Haynes Chiarello, Anne Sheree, Christopher Tuck, et, et al. So basically et al means and anyone else uh, who may be complicit with these crimes of Ontario works. So, uh, and that was for... Uh, let's see. Courtesy warning and notice of default, default judgment. Okay, so let's let's actually take a look. Uh, so I already filed default judgment against Ontario Works. Now, and that's pretty exciting because they've had nothing to say about that since it's been done. Um, and so uh, notice of default judgment, nihil desit res judicata. Uh, nihil disit means he says nothing. Res judicata means this judgment is final. Um, and it's for fraud, breach of trust, and spoliation of evidence. And again, I, I'll go over the details of that in another episode, but I just wanted to let you know kind of what's out there and why all of this is so exciting because these records are currently standing and yeah, the government has had nothing to say about it. So same thing with the law firm and the National Bank of Canada. Uh, they did initially kind of send me a veiled threat telling me that if uh, I didn't remove the notice that they may come, that they may seek legal remedy. I told them to go ahead, <laughs> you know, sue me. I said, because it's not slander, it's not libel. This is absolutely true. Your actions are criminal. And as soon as you stop acting in a criminal manner, I'll be happy to remove the notices. And, uh, yeah, I haven't heard boo from them since. So uh, these are some of the things that I've got going on that uh, have more or less caused others to kind of seek me out and ask how I got to this stage, how, how you know, how I'm silencing banks and stopping foreclosures and that sort of thing. So, uh, again, I was just trusting what I know to be true about the common law. I had no idea that it would be effective in stopping them immediately, but I knew that if they tried to move forward with power of sale after that notice was filed, then I would be able to go into the court and just say, no, uh, you know what, they're, they're, they don't have any right to be moving forward with foreclosure on this property. They've not only refused to accept payment, they are withholding payment. They have full payment 
in their possession and are failing to forward that payment to their client and suggesting they have the right to move forward with power sale on the property. They do not. So, uh, yeah, those are the notices that are on the record right now. That's kind of what's going on in my microcosm. And yeah, I think that's all I'm going to touch on today. I just wanted to kind of get you in the loop, um, let you know what sort of things I'm looking forward to uh, following through on over the next little while and what sort of things I'm potentially hoping to hear back on over the next little while. And uh, Saturdays and Sundays, I'm going to basically just be doing that. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about what's going on in the now. And then uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'm going to be talking about uh, the steps I took to get here. Okay, so thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I'll be back in a minute to say goodbye. All right, everyone, thank you very much for joining me again this evening. Um, I hope that helped to understand a little bit more about what's going on in my microcosm right now. The reason that I wanted to touch on that today is because notices are probably the next most powerful uh, thing after well, even, even with the SESTA-KV, um, you know, it's one thing to write the SESTA-KV, but if you don't actually, you know, place those government agencies on notice of your SESTA-KV, if you don't ask them to notice that you've created a SESTA-KV, uh, it, it really doesn't mean anything. So just the same as, as you have to let the government notice that you've got a new standing in, in law, when somebody abridges or infringes upon your rights, you also need to place those individuals on notice. And in order to have witnesses to that crime, there needs to be a record of it available to the public. And so that's what I'm doing. I send these notices to them. I let them know, hey, listen, you're, you're abridging my rights this way, this way, and this way. And I'd like you to stop. <laughs> and if you don't, then this is what's going to happen and this is how long i'm giving you to respond to this provide either a legal argument and or you know apologize and cease to do the harm that you're doing and if they don't do that then default judgment is filed against them that's on the public record and theoretically these are all now factual because they're being witnessed by a jury of my peers which is the international community Everybody's getting a chance to see that they were given notice. They've had the opportunity to respond. They failed to do so. I can now enter these facts onto a court of record as a statement of facts regarding these criminal offenses. And though an affidavit of truth cannot be disputed, it's considered to be factual information. Um, that's what's really important to understand is courts only operate exclusively on paper and what the paper tells them. So if this paper is showing that, yep, this is true, this is true, this is true, they were silent, they did nothing. So it's presumed if you don't defend your honor, that you must be guilty because who would ever want to have their character sullied in the public? Nobody, right? <clears throat> and you would think that would be especially true with government and government service agencies. And 
like I said, they don't seem to have any problem with that notice of criminal liability being published on the international public record. They've got nothing to say about it. Uh, but one thing they did do is roughly a week and a half after that notice was published, uh, I received a notice addressed to King Sean, House of Andan, Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God from the caseworker that was charged with criminal liability telling me that uh, I'd had a new worker appointed to me. So we're not sure what that means yet, and uh, I guess we'll find out very, very soon. Um, and that'll be by Monday, uh, basically. I'm going to know what the situation is, and I'll have more to talk about then. So placing someone on notice is the first due process of law in any... Well, there is really... You know, only the common law jurisdiction, that's the supreme law. So placing someone on notice is the very first uh, process of law. And that's why I wanted to touch on that today. We'll get into the specifics of how to do all of that in later episodes, but yeah, I hope it was informative for you and gives you a sense of where we're at now and what you have to look forward to in the near future. Thank you very much for being here. I love you all. Have a great night.